If you would, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'll begin by reading, uh, starting there in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word become flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we'll stop reading there. One of, I guess, the more flowery, picturesque pieces of scripture in the Bible, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, The gospel is John. If you've read all four gospels, is a little bit different. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they just kind of, today we would say they speak plain English, you know. Um, Joseph and Mary, they went to uh, Bethlehem. Jesus was born, you know, just kind of straight, not with John. He uses flowery language, and, and I love it the way he does. In the beginning was the Word. And you're thinking, okay, the Word, Word. Who, who, what's the Word? Who is the Word? What? And you've kind of got to follow what he's saying and think about it a little bit because he didn't say in the beginning was Jesus and uh, Jesus was with God. Jesus, he uses the word. And that was a uh, specific word that was used back in those days to speak of a divine presence um, in uh, the... uh, uh, Aramaic language, it, uh, which a lot of the people of those days spoke. Uh, they spoke Greek, but they also spoke in Aramaic, and it, it had a deeper meaning. It, it conveyed the idea of power. 
It conveyed the idea of divinity. It, compa- compa- it conveyed the uh, idea of trying to reveal something. And <clears throat> the Word of God, when you really study it, is a revelation of God himself. He wants us to know him. He wants us to understand who he is. And so he reveals himself through his word. In uh, the study of theology, there's uh, two different types of revelation. There is general revelation, and then there's special revelation. General revelation would be, and the heavens declare the glory of the earth. And and everything that's in it. Well, you can, as I did for much of my life, I can appreciate the fact that God created it. God is here. God did this. He made me. He, you know, and that's one level. But it never reaches the point of getting me saved. I can appreciate a mountain stream. Not around here, but, you know, in Colorado or New Mexico somewhere. Uh, a river, uh, pine trees, the forest, and just the beauty of all of that. And I can say, oh, man, God's handiwork is great. But I don't get to know God. Uh, lots of people miss uh, the essence of who God is by stopping short of reading his word. They they only enjoy him for what they can see, uh, what they can soak in of nature. And that's general revelation. Special revelation is the word. Special revelation is where God himself takes upon flesh and becomes one of us reveals to us who God is. And the written word uh, tells us and enlightens us to let us know the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Let's us know how we might become one with God once again. And all of that is wrapped up in, in this word, word, and the word became flesh. In the beginning, well, when was the beginning? Um, We can debate that all week long, and we'll never come to a totally, uh, a total agreement on it. But according to the Word and what God wants us to know, the beginning was, you go all the way back to Genesis 1, chapter 1, where, um, well, I'll turn to it and just read it, Uh, because it's foundational. Chapter 1 of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, You don't go back much further than that. Uh, You can argue it, and there are those who say it goes back further than that, but for the purpose of God revealing himself to us, And us getting to know Jesus, that's when it started. 
That's, that's as, as far back as we need to go. Uh, we don't need to go back any further. I've debated with a lot of people over the years, and I've come to the conclusion that uh, those convinced against their will have the same opinion still um, when it comes to creation. Um, I loved what a friend, pastor of mine, uh, had to say one time. He said, in the beginning, God, now deal with it. <laughs> and I like that. Uh, if you can't get past that, then you've got a bigger problem than in the beginning. Because uh, the rest of it is irrelevant if you can't go back and just accept in the beginning God. But what was really a mind-blowing thing to me was when I discovered that, because I, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised... Uh, going to Sunday school and all of this. And it really blew me away uh, after I became a Christian that I understood it, but I didn't understand it, that Jesus is God. And that was just, I mean, foundational explosion to me. It was like, Wow. And then when I discovered that Jesus was there in the beginning and he was the creator, that even blew me away even more. I knew he was my savior, but in the beginning was the word, meaning Jesus. And uh, before I turn any further from uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, and uh, there in Genesis, when it refers to God, there's a special word it uses. It's the word Elohim. And it's a plural word. And we, we in English uh, have a hard time explaining things the same way they did in the Greek or the Hebrew. Um, because if we have uh, a description of something that we need to make, we have to use numerical words. We have to say, well, all three were there in the beginning. All three. They didn't have to back then. The, just the very use of the word Elohim meant there was three. And and so when we read then Elohim, that means, okay, God, but then there were two more, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all three together there at the very beginning. And then another thing that blew me away, it says right there in that verse 26, let us make man in our image whoa I just discovered what God looks like when I look out at my fellow human beings may not be identical to any of us but that's the likeness 
let us make man in our image. And an image is best seen when you look into a mirror. You, you don't see yourself, but you see a reflected image of yourself. An image. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When I read that, I thought, wow. Uh, it, it does actually say there's more than one uh, there in the creation, in the beginning. Let us make man in our likeness. Well, anyway, back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word was there can also be, um, I don't understand all that there is to know about Greek, but that word was can also mean past, but it's a continuing present tense. And so it doesn't just mean Jesus was, it also means he still is. You see the problem with English? (laughs) he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made now really you can't get much clearer than that Jesus is the creator and he's the same one that later It says, became flesh and dwelt among us, the Creator. Somehow in the church today and in the world, we've lost our respect for Jesus. Um, I I love the song, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, that he's my friend. I like uh, the song... uh, that I walk in the garden with him. Uh, I like that, but really, um, there is a danger in bringing Jesus down to the friendship level because there is a tendency to lose our awe and respect of who he really is. He's the creator. He, He just speaks things into existence. He can also speak things out of existence. I, 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 if I had a close friend that was actually here and he could actually do that, I, boy, you talk about being quiet, and I would open the door for him. I would do everything I could. The, see, the friendship level would kind of be uh, lopsided here. There would be such a a fear that I would do or say something wrong, and he would just say, be gone, skinny one. (laughs) Um, we, We need to get that respect back of who Jesus really is. He's the creator. In him was life. And again, that word was is there. 
that means it not only was life, it still is. It's a continuing thing. Every breath that I have, I owe to Jesus. My life, I owe to him, all of us collectively. Uh, life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And boy, is that true. Uh, the world is uh, getting darker and darker. Uh, seems like if you watch the news, it's getting darker daily. They don't comprehend Jesus. They don't comprehend God. They, they do exactly what the Bible says that man will do during these last days. They start saying good is evil and evil is good. It's because they don't understand. They don't comprehend the light. They don't comprehend the word. They don't, they don't understand it. Partly because there are a whole generation, sometimes two or three nowadays, removed from their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents who would take them to church all the time. Um, I can remember in the uh, 60s that there began to be conversation among uh, the older folks of how this new generation have abandoned God. And it was a brand new thing that they started abandoning God and, and abandoning Him they abandon all concepts of who he, who he is and what he requires of us. And when you get far enough removed away from that, then you see what's happening today. There's, there's no concept of God. In fact, the atheists are, are trying to drive him out of every conceivable place that he could be. And uh, that, that started back in the 60s as well. And uh, the darkness doesn't comprehend him. They, they don't understand God. just the simple truth that God is love. He's, God is peace. He is comfort. He's joy. All of those things. They don't comprehend it. Verse 6 kind of changes uh, tone a little bit. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This would be a reference to John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Now this word light is another of John's words, uh, the author here, uh, to describe Jesus. And if you haven't picked it up yet, he's comparing darkness with evil, light with good. And the good or the light that emanates from God himself. And, and he's referring to Jesus as the light. Uh, Jesus even referred to himself uh, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 
And so that light uh, that he's referring to here, and uh, lots of things have referenced this in the past. Uh, Songs have been written about it. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Um, referring to Jesus as as the light. Uh, You even may refer in your own life to when you came to know Jesus as the the light bulb came on. You know, and I know in my life that's the way it was. I, I thought I was in the light. But I was in so much darkness, I, could, I didn't even know enough to know that I was in the dark. And then the light came on. And then, uh, then there was all this truth. Uh, there was everything about church, everything. I could begin seeing it. Now I didn't understand a lot of it. I had to get into the Word and start reading and studying first. But... Uh, you understand this concept of the light and, and, and that John the Baptist came to bear witness of that. Um, we should all be doing the exact same thing that John the Baptist did. Everywhere we go, we should be a witness for the light. And it says John wasn't that light, but he bore witness of that. And by the by the even the term that we are described as Christians uh, we are little lights he's the main light uh, we're to put our light out on a hill where everybody can see it um, and, and you might say well I don't know how and neither <laughs> a lot of times I still don't know but that's when I pray. I say, Lord, just show me how what what I should say, if I should say anything, how I should be, how I should act, what I should do uh, to be a light in this person's life. Stop and think about this for a moment. The only reason that you may encounter someone at work or where you go Maybe that God is wanting to use you as a light in that person's life. That may be the only reason that you encounter them. There was a fellow, uh, this has happened to me more than once, but it just, I'll share once. Um, this fellow in their back home, when I was in about the eighth or ninth grade, he was fresh out of high school, and he came out to the ranch and helped us through a branding. And then he later went to work for a neighboring ranch. And I uh, didn't see him again for like 30 years. And... At the tire store in Midland, where we all traded, I ran into him. And he had a very distinct voice, and as soon as I heard him, I remembered him. from. And I, I looked at him, and immediately I knew who he was. And so I asked him what he's doing. He asked me what I was doing. And, I, well, I'm pastoring a church, and... Uh, and about a week later, 
back in to pick up. I left flats and I went back to pick them up. And, and there he was again. And he even made a comment. He said, oh, I hadn't seen you for 30 years now. And one week I've seen you twice. <laughs> and, and it went on like that for six months. I'd be at the hardware store. There he'd be. And so I got to thinking about what is the or what is you know that's a really good English what what are the odds that for five minutes out of an entire twenty four hour day I'm going to be at the tire store and he happens to be there at the same time next day I'm way across town I'm I'm just popping into the hardware store I'm coming back out and he's there. Next day, I'm in the other town. I've gone over to the, you know, PVC plastic place or some other. It's like everywhere I go, uh, are you following me or what's, what's the deal here? After a while, he shows up at church. And he said, I... Uh, I just kept seeing you everywhere in town. And he said, I couldn't, I could not. Get. And I said, well, what was it that I said that brought you? And he said, nothing. Just the fact that I saw you. I came to church. And he was there uh, constantly for about the next two years or so. And that's just one story of how I did absolutely nothing, but God used that nothing in his life to bring him to church. Well, John the Baptist is the first recorded witness of Jesus. And if you compare all of the Gospels, it was an absolute miracle what happened. Because he goes off down to the Jordan River, which from Jerusalem is about 17, 18 miles by the road down to the Jordan in the approximate area of where John the Baptist was baptizing. And thousands of people just started coming to him. People started talking about, hey, John's down there. and What's he doing? He's baptizing. What does he look like? Well, he's kind of, you know, uncouth. And well, how does he survive? He, he, you know, those locusts down there? <laughs> and dips them in honey and eats them. And, and he thinks it's good. And, <laughs> and people are going. And then there's the day that Jesus even shows up. And he says this, Behold, the Lamb of God whose sandal laces I'm not even worthy to untie. The lamb that is going to take away the sins of the world. Right up to the very end, John was a witness telling others about Jesus. And I'm sure if you ask John uh, before he started as as a kid and said you you're kind of special you're going to be a witness for Jesus what are you going to say and he said, I don't know 
Well, how are you going to do it? Well, I don't know. That may be the same thing you're saying. I don't know how to be a witness. I don't know. You don't have to. Just commit your life to the Lord Jesus and say, wherever I go, let me be a witness for you. And then stand back and watch in awe as he uses you. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Meaning Jesus came to his own people, the Jewish people, and they did not receive him. But as many, and that as many would include any Jews, it would include any Gentile, which when you, there's only two kinds of people from the word of God in the whole world. There's Jews and Gentiles. Guess which one we are. <laughs> if you're not Jew, you're a Gentile. You're part of the as many, as many. You're among the whosoever will. Uh, you're in that category. Uh, there's a big debate in the church, and we won't even pretend to answer it today. There's a Calvinist who say only those who um, God chose can receive him, and then there's the Armenians who say, no, that man has to choose, and, and uh, they argue, and, you know, no, God chooses, no, man chooses. Uh, I do have a revelation for you. Both of those are man-made ideas and doctrines. They're not biblical. The Bible says God calls, he elects, he chooses, and also that man chooses. He. So both are true. I don't know why they argue. <laughs> As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, coming to know Jesus is uh, it's a supernatural thing. Um, People say, I don't see any miracles happening in the church. Every single time someone receives Jesus, that is a miracle. Because Satan is trying to blind you. He's trying to stop up your ears. He's trying to close your eyes so you can't see the truth. You can't hear it. You, and certainly so you won't receive it into your heart. That's Satan's job. 
And the Holy Spirit, uh, his job basically in the world is to convict you of sin. And that word convict just means to really down deep show you that you are a sinner and that you need to repent. And uh, the central theme of the preaching of John the Baptist was repent. The central theme of the preaching of Jesus was repent. And they both said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it hasn't changed. Today is still the same. We, we still today need to repent. In fact, if uh, you wanted to ask me what I do more than anything, it'd be, <laughs> I still repent. Uh, I need to daily, you know, get up out of bed, grumble and complain, and oh, and then I, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just should be happy to be here. And here I am, grumbling, complaining. Uh, see, I have to repent still. But there is that initial time of repentance whenever you acknowledge you are a sinner and that you repent of that sin, and you, you, you know down deep inside something is wrong in your heart, and you need something besides yourself. And it's at that point that you need to focus your attention on Jesus Christ and, and look to him as the answer. And once you have done those things, realize you're a sinner, repented of your sin, and recognized Jesus as the answer, then you need to receive him. You can't just stop and just by repenting. You have to actually turn to Christ and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything there is to know about salvation. I don't understand why I even I need saving. I don't understand nothing except... I am a sinner, and that sin has separated me from God, and I need you to come into my life, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, save me. And if you do those kind of things, do those things, uh, you'll be born again. Like old Nicodemus. He's further along in the Gospel of John. He's a, a, a religious leader of the Jews. He comes to Jesus in secret by night because he's afraid of his fellow Jewish people and what they would think of him. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, what? Must I enter my mother's womb again and be born a second time? He said, no. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born from above is, is of the Spirit. You marvel not when I say to you that you must be born again. And your spirit needs to be born. And that's what he's referring to. And that is what happens whenever you receive Jesus as your Savior. And, uh, and then begin, if, if you do that, and I know most of you have already, 
And you'll attest to what I'm about to say. Once you do that, your life will change. You may have been reading this several years, and it's just kind of darkness to you. You get saved, and all of a sudden you're reading stuff, and you see it for the first time. And by see it, I mean you comprehend it, you understand it, you know, and it bears witness with you. You have a whole new perspective on life. You have uh, an inner peace that you haven't had before. There's a change that comes over you. When I first got saved, I tried hanging around some of my same old friends that I had, or so-called friends. They, Boy, you talk about learning who was your real friend real quick. Uh, they wanted to get drop me like I was a hot horseshoe or something. You know, get away from that guy. He's got religion, you know. He's, and I'd say, you know, I'm still the same person. And they say, no, you're not. No, there's a change. You're different. People will start saying that about you. But you won't care because you'll know because you're now walking in the light. You see things they don't see. You understand things they don't understand. Isn't that great? Absolutely wonderful. We're going to close with just a quick word of prayer. And uh, so I invite you just to uh, bow your head and close your eyes and follow along with me. Father, as we come to a conclusion this morning, the whole purpose of you coming, the word coming becoming flesh and dwelling among us. The whole reason is so that we could be saved. And we so thank you for that. And I ask, Father, that if there's anyone here that has never received you, that they would do so right now, that they would recognize that they are a sinner, that they would repent of that sin, they would come to know that you are the answer and that they would receive you. That they would cry out to you to save them. And I ask that you would do that, Father. I ask that your peace would be upon every person here as we go forth from this place. Father, there's lots of anxiety, lots of trouble and troublesome things going on and I just ask that your peace be with all of us and your your supernatural protection be over us and with us Father bless every person here with a special blessing as they leave here and, and allow us Father to be a light to those who are around us in Jesus name Amen Thank you.